Um, If you can't see the screen, there's a Bible in your pew. And if not, we'll read together. Good to see you, Miss Tanya. Josh. Amen. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Verse 41. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him, touched the border of his garment, check this out, and immediately, my wife says I say that word wrong because I do, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. In other words, it was healed. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they, when they heard uh, with him, said, Master, the multitude throng thee, and they press thee. And sayest thou, who touched me? And Jesus said, listen, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling. Falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And it's two stories, right? Kind of going back and forth. And he said unto her, uh, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, synagogue's house saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Say it, church, fear not. Believe only, and she shall be made whole. I'll read in verse 51. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter, James, and John, and the father of the mother of the maiden, and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. And he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out took her by the hand and called her, called her, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again. And she rose straightway and command, commanded to give her meat. Jesus is like, bro, it's been a long journey. Give, she's hungry, man. Feed the little girl. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Father God, we love you. We pray for your Holy Spirit's power on your word. Not my words, but your words. Father, may we walk away changed. Father, may our fear turn into faith this morning. That's my prayer. Father, we need your presence now. We need your wisdom. We need your love. I pray you would do just an incredible heart work this morning. In your son's name, amen. This is a tale of two daughters. Right? A tale of two daughters. One would be the daughter, a son and daughter of the Lord, the Heavenly Father. She would be made a daughter. And the other was legitimately a daughter of the synagogue ruler, right? His only daughter that was 12 years old. Now, for those of you that, you know, maybe this is your first time or uh, first time in a long time, we just systematically walk through the Bible. So we're here in this passage, walking through Luke chapter 8. Next week we take on the next 
uh, passage. We are going to split for a few uh, weeks as we focus on this Advent season coming into Christmas. Um, but we're just taking this one chunk at a time walking through the Bible. And I don't know about you, but my faith has grown through this study. My faith has grown seeing how Jesus is training up the twelve. Training up those who would bear the brunt, if you will, of the groundwork for the church of God. It's insane. Uh, just, just the stories. Uh, but it has. It has grown my faith. And it seems to me that... Hey, Carmen. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, it seems to me that we're, we're facing fear. Does anybody else see that? It seems to be that theme where Jesus is addressing the disciples' fears. And he's trying to get them to reach a point where they have big faith. And even to the point now, we, we've, we've traveled through a few things. I think I wrote some of this. Jesus calms the storm, right? They woke him up just a few verses ago. He was asleep and he said, why are you scared? I'm, I'm just going to speak to the winds and the waves. They've seen miracle after miracle. And then after he calms the storm and they go to uh, Gadara, or whatever you say that, the maniac of Gadara, two demons come out and Jesus casts out the demons. And Luke, specifically in our text, he focuses on the one maniac, right? And uh, it's the other gospel accounts that tell us that there were more than one. So the disciples witness that. And then they witness the people, the multitude of the town where he comes from, uh, really just say, Jesus, why don't you take your fellas and get out of here? Because we were, uh, we were satisfied with having a crazy guy in the tombs than having a changed man in our town. And, and that was a big lesson. Right? How many of you are satisfied with what the devil's doing in your life, but at some point when Jesus moves into your life and begins to change things, you're unsatisfied quickly. You, you don't want to go there when, when he, the Holy Spirit starts knocking at your door and says, hey, A, B, and C needs changed, and you're like, let's go back to the tombs where the crazy guy was running around. At least I knew where he was. I like to keep my demons in the closet. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, the point is, is the town was like, uh, take your people and get out of here. We don't want you, Jesus. So they're witnessing people at all different life stage. All the while, Jesus is trying to teach and disciple them. He made that very clear. So we reach this pinnacle to me, right, in this, in this story. Because right after, and you'll see this in the coming weeks, but right after these, the tale of two daughters happens, Jesus commissions the disciples and gives them the power to go heal and cast out demons. So that, so that happens at the beginning of chapter 9. So what that tells me is the culmination all the way up to chapter 8 is this point where he goes, you're ready. You're, it's time. Sink or swim. <laughs> Boom. And we know that Peter sinks. No, I'm kidding. But, but the point is, is it, it reaches a point where it, it is them doing. And that's my goal here. I'm looking at a church full of people that should be doers of the word and not hearers only. We have a community that is struggling. We have a city so close to us that is bleeding. And it is up to us to change that. It is up to us to break down racial barriers. It is up to us to break down economic barriers with the gospel because that's what he's called us to do. So when we reach chapter 9, are you guys going to be ready? 
Are you guys going to be ready to go? Are you going to be ready to up the ante and, and say, let's get this thing. Let's go. Let's take the gospel to our community, to our families, because it starts at home. I hope so, because I'm going to tell all y'all, all right, go cast out demons. <laughs> you know what I mean? When we get to chapter 9, and I, I mean, not figuratively speaking, but I do believe that there are demons. You know what I'm saying? But, but that's not the point. The point is, is that Jesus says, level up. It's time to do. You've seen enough. Do you believe? And he constantly is pushing that pressure point of faith. Yeah, I, got, I, got, I believe. So, so let me put my hand on your spiritual shoulders and let me push on a pressure point and let's see if there's something there. Because for the most part, things are happening around us and we're calloused. Our conscience, Paul described as being seared with a hot iron. Churches aren't churches anymore. (laughs) I don't get it. Anyway, so that's the point, right? If you're wondering what's the point of the text and what's the point of this story, well, the point is, is when Jesus is done doing what we're about to unpack, and it's super powerful, he's about to tell his disciples in chapter 9, all right, go get it. All right, you with me? Got the point? Let's jump into this, uh, this story here. Let me make some things clear for you. I don't have a, I think my son has my, um, oh, there's my time, 1142. Okay, we're doing good. Um, let me make some things clear. I feel like, you know, all my science brothers, my atheist friends that are heavy on what they think is, is science and what is teaching them, um, they have what they believe are, I, I would say, like presuppositions. Things that are proven, right? Things that are proven, and now I can build upon that scientific hypothesis or, or uh, you know, I'm not a scientist, I'm not, but I, I kind of understand it, but I'm, I'm having, tr- having trouble rolling out the lingo to you, you know what I mean? But the point is, is like if you have some sort of a, um, a scientist and he's doing that kind of work that scientists do, they have to start with what they what? know to be true. What would you say, Rich? Control. Control. And, and then from there, they build on those things, right? So, as a pastor, I start with the fundamentals. What I know to be true in Scripture. Like, number one, I believe the Word of God. Amen. Every word. It's inerrant. It's infallible. That's a building block that I already, I don't take it for granted, I take it into account. And everything else is built upon that foundation. Jesus said, if the foundation be destroyed, what will the what? Righteous do. If we don't have a foundation, then we can't build the house. If we're the temple of the Holy Ghost, and we ain't got a foundation, he, he's going to be homeless. We got a bunch of like cardboard box Christians. You know what I'm saying? Let's get the foundation right. And the foundation is there are just some building blocks of understanding from Scripture that we, that we need to study, Paul said, to show ourselves approved. One of them is this. Man's fall, that was just a free little excerpt. You could take that out and you know, digest that any day of the week and it would be good to have, right? It was a snack. All right, this is the meal. Man's fall is what caused death and disease. That's a building block that I have 
for my understanding as a Christian that death and disease, when they happen, it's because of the fall. I studied the scriptures and it told me that. Romans 5.12. Wherefore is by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have what? That's a building block. So when someone dies, I'm like, man, that's because of the fall. I'm not saying that's their sin or it's a specific sin, but it is sin. We have this problem of sin to deal with. And Jesus is trying to get that point across to the disciples. Man's fall is what caused death and disease. Man's creator is what has given us a longing for a relationship and what brings us to tears at the grave. So therefore, if the fall caused death, when I'm at death's door and I'm crying, I'm crying because my Creator created a longing for community and for relationship. So the very foundation of my emotional makeup as a human being is because of God. In the beginning, Elohim, God, plural, nature, in community with Himself, brought us into the community of fellowship with Him. And so when sin happened, a break happened. A problem happened. And God, from the foundations of the world, had a plan of redemption to redeem us back to Himself to original intent. So we have to understand... Are y'all ready to think? This is a little bit, a little deep. We got a little tunnel and we're going down it. I promise I'm going down it for a reason. But the point is, is that we just, sometimes we just take our emotions for face value and we let that run us. Yesterday was a tough day. Was it not, babe? It was a tough day. But I have to center myself in God. You're providential. You'll, you got a plan for your children. You're leading me, even if it's to the ER, to meet a man that I invited to church. I don't know if he'll come or not. He's not here today. He had to work. <laughs> but I'm just saying, our lives are directed in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct thy path. The steps of a good man, I'm not good in me, I'm good in Jesus, are ordered by the Lord. I'm just saying, church, there are some things that we need to understand, that we need to put into our lives, infuse our lives with truth so that we can live by faith. It does us no good for me to say, just let go of your fear and have faith. Okay, what's that look like? <laughs> I don't know what faith is. So, so I have to establish what faith is. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I'm just trying to speak life into you this morning that death happens. We don't like it, but it happens because of sin nature. Jesus has made a way for that by absorbing the penalty of death himself. Amazing. But the point of the story is, is that this man, he had a 12-year-old daughter and it was his only daughter. And he was feeling the effects of a relationship that was about to be severed. And the proof is in the pudding of the story that Jesus physically made a way to bring father and daughter back together. He has been redeeming people from the beginning of time, church. It's what he does. It's a beautiful story. 
But I'm not taking this as some kind of a miracle in this isolated moment. And I'm not going to make this eisegesis mistake that that just happened then. It doesn't happen for us. Yes, it does in eternity. If I'm separated from my grandmother just a few months ago, I understand that the point is is that Christ made a way of reunion and that one day I will have this exact experience with her. Rob, you'll have it with your grandmother. I don't have a child of mine that will ever pass into eternity that as long as they are under the blood of Christ will not be reunited with their father. That's a foundational building block that I have in Scripture. Man, wouldn't it be tough To have that foundation be because of your good works? Well, as long as you're good, honey. I'd be scared to death. Every day just waking up hoping that I could do enough to be in the good graces of God. I don't know how they make it. That's a key building block of faith that we live by. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So this should be a learning tool for you, when you have an issue and a problem, ask yourself this. Little Zach's feeling it, I'm telling you. <laughs> ask yourself this question. Has my anxiety been handled in the Word of God? Before you seek alternative measures, find out if the book has an answer. Let me go ahead and tell you. It does. All right, so anyway, that was a big... Yep, mm-hmm. To get to this, Jesus is the solution for our weariness. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 puts it this way. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Lean and learn, sorry, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. We know that if we get in, the the physical picture here is oxen, and we're getting into a yoke with him, that he is the one that's going to carry it. That's the context. Jesus is the solution for our weariness. Watch this. With the presence of Jesus also comes accountability. And this is where you kind of split a little bit. Everybody wants the solution for weariness, but they don't want the accountability. We're going to see this in this story. John 3.19, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. The world was condemned because light came. Do you understand? If light never came, there's no one there to see the fact that they were what? Condemned. But... Men love darkness rather than light because they're what? Deeds were evil. So the point is, is we can't find rest in our weariness if we can't find the accountability that we need in our Savior. He's not just saying, I'll take it from you. He's saying, get in the yoke with me. Let's do life together. He doesn't doesn't have this parachute ministry. I'm going to parachute this spiritual troop into your life. No, he says, I want to make your life my life. Paul says, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He understood getting into the easy yoke. This is some deep plowing. 
No pun intended. Yes, it was. Jesus personifies our freedom. He's just digging it. Jesus personifies our freedom in his life and wants us to follow him. How do I know that? Romans 8.1. There is now therefore no condemnation, watch this, to them which are in Christ Jesus. Take my yoke upon you. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. He uses a word to define our following. And the word is faith. For us to understand faith is for us to understand how Jesus wants us to follow him. Let's go back to the story. Look at Luke chapter 8, verse, uh, verse 43. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. So you guys get in the picture? Jesus is pressing through the crowd, which his disciples point out, and they miss the point. And this woman was bound and determined just to get close to him. Because she knew that if she was close to Jesus, that a problem she had, that a problem that all her resources that she spent could not fix, he would immediately what? Fix. Look at it, verse 44. Came behind him, touched the border of his garment. If you think about the robes that they wore back then, Culturally speaking, his probably had tassels on his robe. That type of uh, robe that, that they wore in their culture. I can just envision her like, and just kind of like lunging and grabbing one of them tassels. Just holding on to it. Know what I mean? How many of you remember? They, some people probably still wear them. And if you do, I'm not judging. How many of you remember those, like, those dress shoes that had tassels on them? Is that still in? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have tassels. It's kind of like my laces on my Sperry's, but I envision just big tassels, right? Quite the robe. And she grabbed hold of that thing. Look at verse 45. And Jesus said, say it, who touched me? Hey, take my yoke upon you. It's easy. Interesting. Who touched me? Somebody hath touched me, verse 46, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. Verse 47, and when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling, falling. Verse 48, and he said unto her, here's the word, daughter. And he said unto her, daughter. This is a tale of two daughters. This woman, who had an issue of blood, became a daughter, or was a daughter, Be of good comfort, thy what? Faith hath made thee whole. Go in what? Peace. Let's look at this from her perspective. And I think that this is one that we'll track with. How many of you have ever had a problem that is just insurmountable? She spent all her living. Every every dime dollar that she had. Stay with me, church. Exhausted her resources. Do you think that it's any coincidence that this is the woman that touched him? That this is the woman that Luke chose to dialogue about in the scripture? Is it any coincidence that two daughters were dialogued about and then it was this one that came 
that everybody knew she'd been to every doctor in town. She spent every dime she had. Church, what made her whole? Her what? Her faith. I don't know how else to say it. We're we're a church that is, I'm, I'm trying to say simply Jesus. What does that mean? It means that we see that it is just our faith that gets it done. I mean, we could go to other passages. Faith of a grain of a mustard seed. Moving mountains, right? Mountain moving faith. The point is, is that if we unpack this daughter of the Lord, of the Heavenly Father, because we know that Jesus said, no man comes except the Father draws. This woman was destined because of her faith to be a daughter of the Son of God. Do you understand the like incredible thing that happened here? His Heavenly Father became her Father as well because of her faith. And this is where I'm just trying to like translate here, like Google, like Google Translate. You know how I went to, <laughs> I went to uh, Africa, and I got lost. One of the missionaries dropped me off in the middle of nowhere in town and was like, I'll be right back. You know what? He didn't come back. <laughs> I was scared to death. I was like, what am I going to do? I'm in the middle of Morogoro. We're starting an orphanage here. And I've got no clue where this guy is. He's like, you know, just use your shillings. Uh, he, he, um, he tells me, use some shillings, pay for a taxi, and he knows where I live. And I'm like, this is some crazy stuff. I can't even make this stuff up. But I made it to an internet cafe. Like other parts of the country, it's not like here where we all pull out our cell phones, right? And we just get whatever we need right then when we need it. I had to go to a place that had internet. And then I had to log on with my device. And then text him and say, I hate you. (laughs) Because I don't speak Swahili. What are you doing? (laughs) Goodness gracious. I So I got my phone and I went to Google Translate, set it on Swahili. And I said, help me. And handed it to the guy behind the counter. And it said, help me, you know, in Swahili. I spoke in English and it what? Translated into Swahili. Because if not for Google Translate, I couldn't tell the man that I was in distress. And I was trying not to be like, you know, one of those guys that, uh, you know, well, I already stood out. We'll just put it that way. But on, on another level, you know what I'm saying, Mo? On another level, I didn't have a clue where I was, right? And I didn't want to stand out that way. At least I was standing out, but I kind of looked like I knew where I was going. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm just going to get a coffee at this cafe. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no. I, like, walk in, and I'm like, how many shillings? How many shillings? It translates dollars. What makes sense for a taxi ride? What's his address? He told me. He texted it to me. But it hasn't gone through yet. All this stuff's going through my head. Because there, you say, like... You know, you pull out all your money. What's this get me? They'll be like, that's perfect. (laughs) It gets you a ride to where you need to go. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's the same here. But but I was scared. So I needed something to help translate the message. We have such a, a hard time with that as Christians. God gave us the Bible to tell us that all of these things were going to happen. And when they happen in life, when struggle comes, he said, I've given you faith 
to translate that. If you just simply look through the eyes of faith, it'll all make sense because at some point in time, your Savior has saved you and the cross has the final word. The cross makes the way of forgiveness for all of your shortcomings and it leads you to the place where we can take someone else with us. Google Translate. Tell them in Swahili, God's looking up at you saying, just let my word speak for you. And it will speak life. This woman had, she tried to let her money speak. Did that translate? Maybe even natural remedies. It didn't translate. What translated? Her faith. We are children. Our faith brings us to Him. Listen church, she came to Him. When was the last time? When was the last time you came to Jesus and you got on your knees and you said, help me. I have a problem that cannot be solved unless you solve it. He's there. Our faith brings us to Him. Our faith heals us from within. Was it a coincidence That her issue was from within, coming out. Church, your issue is not your money. Your issue is your heart. And he will fix that with your faith. Who's the next young lady? We have a a child of Jairus, Jairus' daughter. And, And here's the thing. He said, fear not, in verse 50, believe only and she shall be made whole. Not just does our faith bring us to Him when we are the child, and our faith heals us from within, but when we have children, when we have things in our life that are not our issue, but someone that we love, watch this. Our faith brings Him to us. Our faith secures the thing that we cannot I know sometimes that yesterday when when Ross cracked his head open, it's amazing how good your prayer life gets, right? When you're holding the head together. (laughs) Oh my goodness gracious. Take me to the hospital. Sarah, drive! You should be the one driving. You're right, but I'm holding his head. Go! It was very comical, kind of. (laughs) But in that moment, God is not a God who is just mean and sits up there and Work it out. Let's see what's going to happen. Checkmate. No. Not only does He come to the son and daughter and heal us from within, He wants to heal your family. He wants to heal your problems. How many think that there could have been a bigger problem with the leader of the synagogue than his only daughter becoming ill? Could there have been a bigger problem for him? I don't think so. Not for me. My kids, that's my greatest fear. I was thinking about that with this message. Is if something were to happen to one of my kids? I just, you know what I'd have to do? I'd have to say, Jesus, come. I'd have to understand that I was without, that I couldn't save myself, and that my faith. My faith took me to Him. 
And I grabbed him and I said, I want to see things the way you see it. And he made me whole. He saved me. He set my feet upon a rock. But now this is my child. This is a different story, God. He says, no, it's not. It's not a different story, child of God. They're my child. All you need to do is fear not, only believe. The problem is, is we're not okay with his time frame. We're not okay with it. Here's the trouble. If he would have went straight there, would she have been a daughter that was healed? She would have still had her, she probably would have died. Jesus knows what we do not He's dealing with everyone, everyone's issues, everyone's problems, and he's dealing with each one of them with care and concern based upon faith. Let it go. I know that's hard. Trust me. It would be the one thing that I would want to take control of, but we can't. How many more servants of God would be in this world if parents would let go of their children. But we think, mother knows best. Right, entangled where the evil mother, anyway. I watch a lot of Disney movies. <laughs> Do you understand? Everybody was like, thank God, man. I was like on spiritual lockdown. Thank God he told a joke, man. The Holy Spirit was like grabbing me. <laughs> and the tension was real, man. Church, This could be the two hardest topics, our inner hurt and our children. And Jesus just like fruit ninjas that thing and just takes care of it. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know where that came from. Fear not, only believe. Are we getting the fact that it is our faith? Mm. When you define your fears by your faith... Oh, son, death becomes sleep and love shatters hate. When you define your fears by your faith, death becomes sleep and love shatters hate. How do we erase the dividing line between cultures when we define what we're scared of by the faith? That he gives us. Fox News ain't got the answer. Oh my goodness. I just want to put my foot. My dad, like when you have someone that's in that culture, dad, if you listen to this podcast, I love you. But it's like, turn the TV on. Oh my goodness, I just can't believe, man, we got all kinds of issues and problems. Anybody watch the news? And I'm not trying to say that only older folk watch the news. I love y'all so much. You know I do. But it, 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 it ain't going to fix it. It's not which side of the political coin you're on. It's what side your faith is on. I just, I wish, you know how, you know how when you watch TV and they had that cuss buster, babe? Like, when you watch a movie with that cuss box on it, 
Anybody who had Christ, anybody who was a Christian in the '90s when, <laughs> had parents that were like, "Oh my goodness, let me get! I just got the greatest gift in the world." And no, it is not the Holy Spirit. It is this cuss box. I'm gonna put it in between the cable and the TV. And what it does is it takes every time someone was gonna say a bad word and it replaces it with a good word. Now we can watch TV. <laughs> yeah, buddy. You know what I'm talking about? The cuss box. There are some things that it took out. <laughs> That were strange, okay? Uh, And the words that it put in there, I was like, oh my goodness. And the thing was, too, is like, you see them, like, say it. It was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) It's like, Like some kind of really bad karate Korean film from the 1980s. I don't know, it's bad. But anyway, it's a filter, right? Put it through there and how it comes out, everything's okay. When are we going to put our faith as the filter for what we are dealing with? And what is going to. Don't chime in with your coworkers on that it's never going to be right and it's never going to be fixed and the world's going to hell and all that stuff. Don't say that. Just say, I think love would solve the thing. I think love would solve it all. What does that mean when they say, What does that mean? God's love. You see, it came to me, and it will come to you. Matter of fact, let's pray for it right now. Holy Ghost of God. No, I'm kidding. I mean, what would happen? I would lose my job. Maybe. I don't know. But at what point? Trust me, I was that way. When I was in corporate America, I had a sales team. Every month, I had coaching one-on-ones with each one of the I had like... At one, one point, I had two territories. I had like 25 people that I was responsible for from here to like Hollywood, Maryland. And every time I would come in, I would coach them based on behaviors. That's a good one too, but anyway. I would coach them based on behaviors, and it was very difficult for me. I would pretty much say, you know what your real problem is? When was the last time you went to church? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just can't help it. I believe it. And, and my boss knew. Everybody knew. Like, I mean, Matt's just going to talk about Jesus. Like, it is what it is. I never lost my job. The Lord took care of that. But I had a lot of people that I witnessed to. What would happen with our world? I would tell you, I'll tell you what would happen. Death becomes sleep. That little girl died. Why don't you... Let me send a servant to Jesus and just tell him he doesn't have to rush anymore. He doesn't have to come to me. I still have faith. I still understand, but I, I can make amends that I won't see my daughter until eternity. It's okay. Go tell Jesus that he doesn't need to come. And Jesus said, it's okay. Fear not, only believe. When he got there, do you understand in this context that people that had some money would hire people to play instruments and mourn for them? When you read this and people laughed, remember? Jesus walked in and said, it's okay. I can do this. She's dead. They laughed him to scorn. And what does it say? Jesus what? Threw him out of the room. I need Peter, James, John, mom and dad in here now. I need the people who believe it. Everyone else is hired help. Ooh. You're living on a borrowed dime. If you're not living for Jesus. Everything in this world is His. And He only asks you to activate what He gave you with faith. 
That's the debit card. That's how we go spending with our faith. He says, if you don't have it, get out of the room. If you don't have it, you're going to only be bitter. You're going to only unpack your feelings with the way that humans unpack their feelings in a sin nature. But if you got faith, you could come up in this room and you can find the healing that you need. Mm. That is good, church. What was death? He redefined the terms. How many of you have some things in your life that you need him to redefine? I got a lot of hate. I just need you to redefine that and turn that into love. I got a lot of bitterness. I just need you to turn my bitterness into grace. How much faith do you have? What is Jesus calling us to do? He's calling us to experience His power. He's calling you to experience His presence. He's calling us to experience His plan. Will you? When you define your fears by your faith, death becomes sleep. And love shatters hate.